The sermon this morning is the outcome of getting offended. The outcome of getting offended. Now, if, if you're kind of new to the church, really, I'm, when it comes up here, I'm all business. And I really take this serious. I want you to know this morning, there's some biblical principles involved that has everything to do with everything dealing with you. And this is one of the Bible says that he says that if one of your brothers has been overtaken in a fault, it doesn't matter, but it does. But he said, he said, restore him with the spirit of meekness, which means understanding this, that you're no better than he is. Because if it happened to him, it could happen to you. That's what that means. The word meekness means where we get a word called prehortus, and it means to, to set forth a fabrication or a model. He's, God is saying this. When you help somebody, don't look down the gum barrel of your nose and say, well, that never happened to me because it'll probably happen to you. And I will tell you when you deal with people that if you experience yourself, it's a little bit easier to help people because you've already been through it. So about getting offended. Now, I know there's a thousand things, and I know immediately you're, you're going to pinch the kids and they're going to run off, but, but don't do it. <clears throat> this is really simple, but I really want you to understand the, the implications of, of what he means by this. It's found in St. Luke chapter number 17, verse 1 in the New King James. So Jesus said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him to whom they do come. The word impossible is where we get a word for means unthinkable, uh, unallowable, unheard of. The Greek lexicon, by definition, this is what this verse says, is simply unthinkable that you would allow yourself to dream that you could live this life without the opportunity of becoming offended. They're going to come. Offenses are going to come. He's speaking to the closest friends that he had. And he said, you're living in a fairy world. You're living in a make-believe world. If you think that you can live this life being around me without the opportunity of getting offended. I'm not going to ask you this morning to raise your hand if you've ever been offended because we'll have deodorant fume everywhere. <clears throat> but, but today, everybody's offended. If you're white, if you're brown, if you're black, if you're pink, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you ride a motorcycle, if you ride a jet ski, everybody's offended. If you're Republican or if you're Democrat or if you're Christian or an atheist, everybody will get offended by what you say or do. You might as well get just ready for it. And heaven knows I would never say anything from this pulpit that would ever offend you. But, <clears throat> but often a person's interpretation is what being said may be the complete opposite of the intention of what someone is saying. because I want to give you a definition for that. Leave that up for a moment. One of the words, before I tell you what offensive means, there's a couple words, but, the, but this word offensive is where we get a word for uh, a foot that's been injured, the bottom of the foot, a bone in the bottom of the foot's been injured. It's a medical term that they use, because I'm going to say this to you. Did, did you know in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 8, Jesus himself is called the rock of offense. 
and for any of you people, and if you belong to this church, and we have no membership cards, but I'll go make you one and take it away from you. <laughs> for this idea and concept that Jesus only speaks fluff and cotton candy. He is called the rock of offense. He says things all the time that offends people. Now this Greek word means that they stumble on him. It means an injured foot, a bone in the bottom of the foot that's broken. And the reason why this is so important is what's this. Because in Bible days, slaves never wore shoes. They didn't have caterpillars, steel-toe boots. They didn't have these mossy green rubber boots that protected them from the stones and the briars and the birds and the rocks. Birds and slaves wore no shoes in Bible days. This is why Moses took his off at the burning bush. God said, take your shoes off. The property you're on doesn't even belong to you. So when you're walking around, anybody, I mean, anybody here walk around barefooted, you don't, but it, when you was a kid, you did. <clears throat> so get this concept. What's this concept? When he becomes the rock of offense that they stumbled on, they stepped on. When you step on a rock or a burr or in the middle of the night, as far as I'm concerned, when Jeremy was young, <clears throat> I'd get up in the middle of the night and step on every hot wheel known to mankind in the middle of the night. <laughs> ow, 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 ow. And he had them everywhere. His landmine. He was preparing for battle, I guess. But <laughs> what he's saying is this. The slaves didn't wear shoes, and, and when they stepped on things that would injure the, a bone in the bottom of the foot, watch this. It doesn't matter if you're walking on carpet or concrete, you're wincing. Anytime you get offended, anytime you get offended, not by just my actions or my word, but once as a Christian gets offended by something that Jesus himself says, I don't care where you are, whether you're in the church house or the beauty parlor, you are going to wince and lash out at someone that even talks about the kingdom of heaven or Christ. Really? So when you, broke, when you break a foot, when you break a foot, all the weight's on it. It don't matter if you're walking here or on the sidewalk. It hurts. Jesus is referred to as the rock of offense. Because as we read the New Testament in the, in, in, in the four Gospels, he says some things that really, really, really disrupts a lot of people's thought process. And it makes them so mad that twice they formed a committee to throw him off the edge of the city. He didn't say things like, you know God loves you. Are you with me? All right, all right, all right. He didn't say anything like that. Got your Bible with you. There, there, got your Bible. That guy right there's got a Bible. Woo! He is, he is good. He didn't say that. He said, You're a viper and you're a hypocrite. You're painted on the outside, but you're full of dead man's bones. Your righteousness, if it doesn't exceed those people, there's no way you'll enter the kingdom of heaven. No wonder he's called the rock of evidence. Everywhere he went, he offended religious people. So what if I made you mad? Good. Maybe it shook you to understand. I'm just trying to help you. Yeah, yeah you get over it. <laughs> so 
Sometimes the interpretation of what is being said may be completely opposite from the intention of what is being said. I'll tell you straight right now. I probably I made a D in English. I made I made a D in, in everything else. I'm not smart. I'm not educated. The smartest thing I've ever done is marry this girl over here. But I'll tell you one thing. Sometimes I say things and it doesn't come out exactly right. It's all, uh, did you hear what he said? Well, I know, but that may not be. Because when, when, when you are offended, it doesn't matter what I say. You're only going to pick up what you want to hear. Right. Have you ever been in an argument? I know none of y'all argue. I know you don't. I know Danny Sherry was because I went on the day and they were screaming bloody murder. So I just got back in the car. But have you ever been in an argument, Jeff, and she's not here and you're trying to convince her she's wrong? You ever done that? You're wasting your time. That ain't going to work. <laughs> And so you go through this process of arguing and say, but you said, I said, they're only listening to about half what you say or not even that. It's almost like saying, are you losing weight or you're not as fat as you used to be, okay? It's kind of the same thing, but it's not the same thing. When people are offended, it don't matter what you say, they're going to wince because they're in offense. I'm trying to get you out of it. Now, if you'll give me a little time here, I'm going to help you with this, okay? What time is it? Oh, it's got plenty of time. So the true definition of offense is scandalon, where we get a word for scandal. Scandalon means a scandal. By definition, the Greek word for scandal means caught in a trap. Now, some of you know this, but I've got to set this so we can go to something. It means caught in a trap. He's telling you right now, that when you get offended, it's like being trapped. Okay? And remember what I said from the very beginning? That if it's impossible for you to think that you would never get caught in a trap. Because hidden traps, the true Greek language is hidden traps. And if I have time this morning, or by the time I get to it at 2 o'clock this afternoon... I'll show you what the scripture says in the Old Testament about it. So it's impossible, even as holy as you are and good looking as you are, it's impossible for you to think that your enemy would lay traps for you. And, and I'm telling you, they're being laid right now while you're at church. Right now. So this word, this word to be caught in a trap. So here's the idea. My son Jordan, I need to give him a pay raise. According to what you want to catch... You use the bait according to whatever you want to catch. So if you want to catch, hey, can we just kill those lights? The back ones for a moment. We're not going to do anything stupid. I, 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 there's a glare on me. Thank you. If, if you want to catch a fish, am I in the right place? Yeah. There we go. If you want to catch a fish, then, then you use worms. Now, I know, say, well, I can use dynamite. I know you can, but you just play along with us, can you? Can you? Did I just say dynamite? Oops. So if you want to catch a fish, there's nothing like good old worms. Number two, if you want to catch a mouse. Ah, uh, that Wisconsin cheese is the best, I'll tell you right now. All rats know that. If you want to catch, it's a big old T-bone steak. You can catch me or, you know, me and that dog has something in common, yeah? 
according to what you want to catch, you use according to the bait. Do you want to catch a big old nice fluffy feline? Uh, I don't even know why you would even want to catch a cat. So forget that. Nobody wants to catch a cat. Jordan? But what if you want to catch, what if you want to catch this guy? What if you want to catch that guy? So the word scandalon, by definition, as some of you have seen this, and I'm not going to stay here long because I've got a long ways to go in a short time to get there. It's a primitive trap using a crate or a box and string. This is a scandalon for you people that just walked in the door. So how do we catch this guy? Pretty good looking guy. How do we catch him? Here's what the scripture says. Mark chapter 4. And they have no root in themselves, but they endure for a time. But afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. They endure for a short period of time, but before long, when affliction or persecution comes their way for the word's sake, they are offended. How do you catch a Christian in a trap? The word. Pull it, Junior. The enemy will use the Bible to trap you. The enemy's smart enough to know that you're not going to believe some concocted lie. So what he'll do, he'll use bits and pieces of the word to trap you. Can I name a few? Number one, I was told when I got saved that I would be exempt for all pains and problems. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I was told when I got saved that the word said that when I got born again, Jeffrey, that I would be exempt from pain and problems. That's what they told me. And I said, I'm with all that. I'm, I'm good. I understand that. Number two, they told me that whatever I could believe for, I could have it. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. They gave me all the ammunition, the artillery. Number three, they told me if I could confess it, I could possess it. I'd call it, blab it, and grab it. But they told me that the word said in Mark 4 that whatever I had enough faith to believe, I could have it. They said basically if I had more faith, if I could shout louder, if I could sing longer, if I could dress different, and I did all of these things, and guess what happened? Nothing changed. Somebody on radio or television said, 
you put your hand on TV along with your credit card, you can pray for your marriage and it'll be healed. And you did and you did and you did and she, he still walked out. You've been a part of church services and I have too. The people that come in here with wheelchairs or, or, or cancer or whatever, and I mean we had an emotional time and we prayed and we believed and we confessed and we pulled out a couple Bible verses and we buried them a week later. And you would never admit it, but you got offended at the funeral. Now, we have an answer for all this. And the answer is, well, you don't have enough faith. But did you know that we've never been asked to have more faith? Jesus said, you don't need more faith. Because if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. He said, you just need to get rid of the doubt and unbelief. But besides that, if we could just stir something up here, we'd get a different bass player. My goodness, get a different drummer. We can really get something worked up here, man. We get something worked up here, we'll get God's attention. And you did that, and we fired him and fired him and hired a new one, and we sung louder and we dressed different, and we and we and we cut our hair off and we stuck it back on our head and, and we lengthened our dress and all this stuff, and still nothing has changed the outcome of what we've been expecting God to change. And we got offended. We pray for God to deliver someone from addiction and it got worse. We've been praying for God to change the situation and praying to stand on the Bible and every Sunday for the last 15 years, you're going to, I'm believing that God's going to do this and so on and so forth. And when it didn't come to pass, you got offended. He said, it's impossible for you to think you can go through your Christian walk and not be offended because how we catch Christians, how you're, not we, how the enemy will trap you is through the word for the word's sake. It did not happen the way that you told God you wanted it to happen. And you got mad. Case in point, I told somebody the other day, this is pretty good information. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 7 that God is not mocked. It means to do a car trick under the table. It doesn't matter. You don't care. You don't know anything about cards and blackjack, but it, God's not going to shuffle the deck or move the cards under the table. That's what the word mark means. Kind of, it's, it's something that's done outside the, the, the nose or the eyes, but it means a card trick. It doesn't matter. You don't care. Yes, you do care. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. Now, immediately, your, 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 your offensive feelers goes up. Oh, my God, now what's he going to say? Have you, ever, have you ever just sown into a person because that God put these people in your heart? Huh? So, so let's, let's take a, Darren don't care because he loves me and I love him. God laid Darren on my heart. Oh, have you ever been around Darren? Oh, I mean, he's a real basket case at times. I mean, and God said, just, just pour into him. Just pour into him. Just pour into him. Just love him and pour into him and love him and pour into him. So, I mean, I just love him and pour into him. I take him out to dinner every other evening and I always send him cards and letters. I, I give him gifts. I'm just pouring into him like you can't believe. And week after week and month after month and year after year, I'm just pouring into him and pouring into him. And guess what he gives me in return? The old goose egg. Nada. 
Nada. And one day, and one night, after about a year of me just pouring into him, and pouring, he doesn't call me, he doesn't reciprocate, he doesn't, send, he doesn't take me out to dinner, he doesn't send me cards, he doesn't do anything for me. And at the right time and the right moment, guess what happened? The enemy will crawl in bed with me. Now, I don't mean my wife, so don't say anything. I mean, the enemy will crawl in bed with me. I know what you're thinking, Daddy. You can't do that. And the enemy said, hey, what about Miller? I said, well, what do you mean about Miller? He's just using you. He said, think about it. You poured into him. You kept all the receipts. And he hadn't given you one thing in return. And guess what? Boom, boom. He's right. And if I'm not careful, I would say, God, your word is not true because I've been pouring into him for a year and a half and I got nothing in return. Watch this. Don't get offended over this scripture because it is what you sow, not where you sow it. Because somewhere in that year's time, Aaron McCoy's sending me cards and letters. Kim Burge is sending me $100 bills like you can't believe. <laughs> Joe Ginn is taking me out every other day. Robert Albrisky is, is coming and doing all these things. And what happens is, because I'm offended, I don't have the vision to see that it's not where I've sown, it's what I've sown. And if I have sown love and mercy and compassion, I may not get it from him, but I'll get it somewhere else from somebody else. So you're missing out on this whole thing. It's not where you've sown, it's what you've sown. And if you'll just take off the blinders and see that just because you've sown love and grace and blah, blah, blah to the people and they're not appreciative or reciprocated back to you, it's okay. You're, you're, you're not paying attention to people that are trying to pay you back for what you've sown in Him. So that's how you can get offended. So when I learned that about 20 years ago, I said, you know what? God, your word is true. If I'll sow understanding and grace and mercy and truth and kindness, if I sow it into you, and just because I don't give it from you, I'll get it somewhere in your kingdom. It may come from Herman Ford, and it has. And it usually comes from the people you like to expect it. So don't get offended. Don't, don't get offended. Let me ask you a simple question. Has, has God blessed you? Yes. And sometimes has God blessed you with people from the people you least expected it? Absolutely. So this is what I'm going to say to you this morning. We have been given three promises in Scripture that will happen to you. Three. I guarantee those will come to pass. Guarantee it. I promise you, these three, I can't tell you that you can pray for this person and they won't leave. I cannot sit here and tell you you can pray for something, you can have it. Can't tell you that. I understand what certain principles of the Word of God said, but you have to keep it in context. I can't guarantee any of these things. 
Because if you're not careful, they won't come to pass. They may walk out the door. We may have to bury them tomorrow. I, I don't know that. I have no promises on that. And I know there's churches everywhere that likes to present the fabrication of, of fairy tales, but I'm telling you, if you want truth, you're in the right place. So here's three things that will happen to you. Number one, you can just write it down. Your promise, temporary trials and tribulations. John 16, 13 says this. These things, Jesus said, I've spoken to you that, that in me that you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer that I've overcome the world. He said, I'm going to tell you right now. In this world, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have problems. The battery is not going to start. The cats won't leave the yard. <laughs> Taxes are going to go up. Your health is going to decline in this world. I guarantee you, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. Number two, we've been promised eternal life. We have promised eternal life. John 3, 16, let's just show it. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a promise. Galatians 6 and 23, the only one we're going to show. For the wages of sin is dead, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is the second thing we've been promised, eternal life. As believers, we've been promised eternal life. Number one, I, every day that I get up, I'm going to have tribulations and I'm going to have trials to deal with, no matter what. Number two, but I've been, I've been promised eternal life. Payday someday. But the third one is a constant companionship of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 28. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, let me explain this to you. This world is not cosmos. Cosmos means earth, universe, Milky Way. That's not what cosmos means. This word is a Greek word called aeon. And aeon, it means an allotted period of time. <coughs> an allotted period of time. Now, watch this. We're going to go. He said, Lo, I'm with you always. I used to think that was like an airplane, but I figure that's not what it is like. He's, he's not an airplane, but never mind. But Lo, I am with you even into the end of the world. The Greek lexicon puts it like this. Christ's presence will remain with you longer than whatever that you may go, be going through. Lo, I'm with you even to the ends of the world. Lo, I'm with you, even beyond whatever that you're going through. You're going through a rough time at home? Well, not only will Christ be with you, but Christ will be with you way past that thing is resolved. The good news about it, we've been promised three things in Scripture, and you can just write it down and take it to your deathbed with you. I've been promised and guaranteed trials and tribulations. How many knows that's been faithful? 
I've been promised eternal life. But I've been promised this, constant companionship by the Holy Spirit, that no matter what I face and what I go through, Christ will remain with me even beyond that period of time that I was going through something. That's great news. So what's the big deal about the trap? There's no saying it's something maybe like this. What's in the trap today will be on the menu tomorrow. Why do you think they trap things? Because what's not for the sport of it? It wasn't catch and release, Jeffrey. Capture and conquer and kill. Your enemy, your thief. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. So this is what the Old Testament says. This is what Moses writes. Moses writes two chapters as they are leaving Egypt. Psalms 90, Psalms 91. When they're walking out Egypt's gate, Moses is saying this to these people. Listen to what Psalms 91 says. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a funny thing. I'll tell you what this means in a minute. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Verse 3. For he will rescue you from every trap. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The Hebrew says in the lap of God. If you will sit in the lap of God. That's what this means. It's a Hebrew term. A father and a son. Psalms 91. He that sitteth in the secret place of the Most High. It's kind of funny, but it's weird. If you'll just sit in the lap of God, somewhere sitting in the lap of God, then verse 2, then you will say, He is my God. He is my reference. He is my fortress. And He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. You know what a fowler is, don't you? A fowler is a person that traps bird for a living. So here we go. Let's close. There's hidden traps waiting you. And it's different baits. And if the fish won't buy topwater plugs, your enemy will, will sink a worm on the bottom of the pond because he'll try every lure in the world to get you to bite it. If he won't bait you with your secretary at work, he'll bait you with someone waving at you at one finger at Walmart's parking lot. But he'll, he'll try different baits. But I found this one secret is this. Moses is screaming bloody murder to these people when they're leaving Egypt. And he said, this is my advice to you. If you'll sit in the lap of God, and let him embrace you instead of looking at God from a distance and say, oh yeah, that's my God over there. If you'll sit in the lap of God, then you will say, God, you're my refuge and my fortress. And you will deliver me from hidden traps. I'm not sitting here to tell you this morning that I've never been trapped because I have. I haven't done anything really stupid, not like Danny DeVore, but I've, I've done some dumb things. 
Let me ask you a serious question this morning. When's the last time you really felt free? When's the last time you really felt alive in God? Because it's very possible to be incarcerated in a box or a trap and still be alive, but you're you're being confined and restricted in your movement. This is one of the greatest things that we can do is call out to God and say, God, I got offended. She said, he said, he did, she did, and I hadn't been the same since. A preacher broke my heart. They wouldn't let me play the piano. They let me play the piano and things happen. People whispered and all these things and I've never been the same since. And listen, you're only hurting yourself by carrying these offenses around. So here's the deal. If I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. Now, if it's a biblical principle, I'm not sorry. But I will tell you what. I'm so thankful that God rescues us from hidden traps to keep us from being incarcerated and maybe even spiritually killed while going through this life. God is my deliverer this morning. Amen. Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. Father, for every hidden trap that has been laid that we have been ensnared in, every hateful word, every unkind gesture, everything that because we have been promised the opportunity to be offended. I'm asking you this morning, would you open the gate of this trap and let me out? I wasn't paying attention close enough. And I need help. I need to be about your business. I need to be about your kingdom with love and laughter and freedom and generosity. It's not a life to be chained down by unforgiveness and bitterness. That's no life. I want to love people. I want to encourage people. I want to make people more like you. And it's hard to do when I'm incarcerated by offense. So everyone in this place this morning, Father, that maybe they're experiencing right now the hidden trap of offense, would you just please release us? And let this thing be gone from our lives that we may serve you with gladness and give us the wisdom and the discernment to know not everything that is written in your word may pertain to us on every occasion of our, of our wishes and whims. Because there's some here today, Father, that absolutely has prayed for someone not to die and they died. And they got offended. There's somebody here this morning that's prayed for a, for a condition in the home to, to improve and it got worse. And they got offended because they read something in the scripture out of context. So can we go back to base one? Can we just sit in your lap this entire year to begin with and trust you and love you 
And for every trial that we'll face, we've been promised constant companionship that you will remain with us when that trial is long gone and of our life. And for that, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe any of that this morning, give the Lord a praise offering today, would you please? Oh, stand to your feet if you would. I told you this one time when Corey was young, communion service kind of make your way. When he was young, uh, my, my wife's mother bought him a, a parakeet or something. I don't know what he was. And it was in a big old white cage. And we had it for a while. I don't know how long we had it for, for a few months. And, and it was in there by itself. And, and it was his responsibility to take care of it and feed it, which, you know, that wound up on his mother's responsibility. But anyway, that went on and on and on and on. He'd kind of fly around the cage a little bit. It's a pretty good-sized cage, and he talked to it a little bit. Of course, he couldn't talk. So one day that he was going to take it outside to clean out the cage, and I walked out held the door with him. He was about 9 or 10 maybe. And Jeff, he dropped this cage. And when he dropped it, the cage door come open. And I'll tell you what didn't happen. That bird didn't say, I wonder if I should stay here any longer. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that bird, he might not have been valedictorian of his class, but as soon as he saw that gate of that cage come open that door, I mean, he shot at that thing and it, looked, it just looked like a missile leaving. And all we saw is his tail feathers waving us goodbye. He never come back. Listen. When God opens the door to hidden traps and giving you the opportunity to not be offended anymore, please take full advantage of it. As Christians, trials are going to come your way in 2022. Get ready. You've been promised eternal life if you happen to leave this planet this year. But if you don't, God's promised you constant companionship by the Holy Spirit that he'll outlast anything that you're going through today. Man, that's good news. Father, I'd ask you to bless this bread and cup this morning. This bread is your body, your body broken for us, our broken dreams, our broken lives, our broken hearts, our broken best plans. This cup is your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And as often as we drink this cup and as often as we break this bread, it's reminding us of you. And for that, we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.